Our teaching today is going to come from Chandler Stevens. Uh, he is our co-high school ministry director in that role with his wife. Would you welcome Chandler? I am so excited for this young man to share God's word with us today. Go get him. And hey, before you go, Jim, I know I did this first service. I know you don't need the encouragement, but I want you guys to hear. You have a great pastor. And I just wanted to thank you for spending the last almost 13 years, years building this platform, not for me to preach, but so that the gospel can be shared in our community. So thank you. Can we thank Pastor Jim? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go over here because we are in a series called Next Steps. And before we jump in, I just want you to know two quick things about me. And that is, I've spent a few of the last years of my life in a Pentecostal church. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> so that means I'm expectant that God is gonna do something in this place today. And if you're watching online, in your life as well. Second, now I spend most of my time with teenagers. Come on. <laughs> there we go. I got some teenagers here. That's awesome. That means I'm gonna need two things from you. One is this, I want you to be expectant as well, that God can do something in and through you. And the second, I need you to have an attention span longer than my teenagers. <laughs> For those of you who are like, how long is that? It's about as long as the attention span of a baby goat. So I can believe in you. Hey, we started off, and I'm gonna hopefully get these right. We started off with the next steps two weeks ago on baptism and, do you guys know? Testing you, baptism and belief? Baptism and believe, and praise God, we had six people get baptized since then. Last week, Pastor Jim preached to us on believe and Bible and belong. Oh my word, too many Bs, you guys. Anyways, an amazing message. And this week I get to jump in with Stuart and share. But hey, before we do that, let's turn our eyes to the screen. Well, hello everyone. Hey, I'm excited to jump into this message on the next steps of stewarding and sharing today. As we launch into this, I wanted to share a story with all of you. So I remember after high school, I had gotten very involved in leading worship. I felt that God had placed those gifts on my life. I kind of felt the best way to pursue that was to go to Bible college. So I did just that. I went to Bible college, and I was excited for God to use my big gifts in a big way, right? I was pretty shocked that when I got there, I, wasn't, I didn't find myself singing on a stage or opening for conferences or any of that. No, I found myself in the dark, out of the scenes, behind what everyone could see, moving chairs. I was the person putting out the chairs, so when people walked into the service, they had a place to sit. I remember in that moment thinking, why are they not using me to my fullest potential? Like, can't they see these gifts that God has placed on my life? I quickly realized, though, what they saw wasn't a lack of gifting, it was a lack of humility. I learned a lot from moving those chairs. Another lesson I learned was this. I never ever walked into that building and chairs just started popping up out of nowhere. No, those chairs were there because someone earlier had paid for them to be there. The reality was that someone years before had stewarded their resources well and sacrificed their finances so that someone years down the road they may never meet would have a chance to sit so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could be shared with them. Man, it was a privilege for me to move those chairs. So as we go into the message today, I want you to realize this. Whether you're sitting here in the worship center and you've got your butt in a chair, or whether you're watching me through a screen, that chair that you sat in is there because someone else stewarded their resources well. 
Or that video camera that you're watching me through in this moment, it's there because someone sacrificed their finances so that you could have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus. Hey, let's have humble hearts today and learn how we too can steward what God has given us well. All right, well, we are going to start today in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. And as you turn there, I just want to give you a little bit of context of what's happening. This is Jesus with his disciples alone on a mountain, the Mount of Olives. And he's telling them about things of the future, things to come. He's telling them of things like persecution that's going to happen and false teachers and prophets. And then he tells them about his return. And then he starts talking about his return in this parable. A parable is just like a story that's made up to illustrate a point. So Jesus starts and tells his disciples this from verse 14 of Matthew 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, gaining five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, get this, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. You guys, I'm not a financial advisor, but that doesn't sound like good financial investment advice there. (laughs) After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to few things. Now I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Here's where it turns. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man. Harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering seed where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bank. Then when I returned, at least I would have gotten it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Kind of a scary parable, hey? Scary ending. I don't think they had uh, financial peace or Dave Ramsey back then. (laughs) Hey, let's pray as we dive into this. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word and another morning to gather around it. God, would you give us open ears and hearts to hear what you have for us? God, would you help this to not just be information in our lives, but transformation? We love you and we're here for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right, so kicking this off with the next step of stewarding, what I wanna do is give you three observations from the master in this parable. So everyone hold up a number one for me. If you're online, go ahead, do it too. If you're on your couch, it's not that weird. Here's the first one. The master is the giver of the talents. You're like, yeah, Chandler, thank you very much. That's brilliant, right? (laughs) Starting in verses uh, 14 and 15, we hear about this master who goes on a journey. He has three servants. To one, he gives five bags, another two, and another one bag of gold. Now, why is this important? 
It's important because that means that the servants couldn't take their bags of gold then and be proud or take any credit for them because it was lent to them. It was borrowed gold. They'd done nothing to deserve that. It had been entrusted to them. Likewise, in our lives, a lot of us have talents in our lives and gifts, and yet they're not our own. They're gifts from the master. That means that that sport that you've been doing your whole life, that you've practiced so much and you've poured so much into it that it's almost become part of your identity that people praise you for, you can't take credit for that. Why? Because who gave you your athleticism, right? That means that business that you've spent your whole life building and it's so closely tied into who you are, it's so important to you, you can't take credit for that. Why? Because who gave you that entrepreneurial spirit, that business mind, that charisma? God did. That means this message, right? <laughs> Can't take credit for it. Why? Because who gave me the words? God did. So the master is the giver of the gifts. And I noticed something when I was reading this this week and last from verse uh, 15, and it's this. To one he gave five bags, another two, another one. Here's the line. Each according to his ability. You see, God gives gifts unequally. I didn't say unfairly. God gives gifts unequally. To some, he deposits a lot of gifts. To others, just a few. And so here's what I want to do. I want to start talking to both of those groups, but I want to start with talking to the people who have been given many gifts. So if you're in this room or online, raise your hand if you know someone who just has the whole package. Like I'm talking, they're good looking, athletic, musical, intelligent. Like raise your hand if you know that person. Okay, and I'll point to them if they're in this room. Yeah, everyone hates you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. This is a church. We don't use that word. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to talk to you guys first. Luke 12, 48 says this, and say it with me if you know it. To whom much is given, much is required. That means that every single one of those gifts that's been deposited in your life, and if it's many, that's awesome, but that means that much is required from you. You have a job to steward those gifts well. You're accountable for all of it. I noticed something else reading through this, and that's this. The the servant with five bags brings five more. The servant with two bags brings two more to the master. And he says what to both? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. He doesn't say you've been faithful with five bags. He doesn't say you've been faithful with two. You've been faithful with a little. Now I'll give you more. Come and share in your master's happiness. As far as I can tell, he doesn't quantify from the scripture. You see, it's the same reward, but for you with many talents, it's different responsibility. More responsibility, same reward. That's hard. (laughs) That's not good news for us. Here's what is good news. More talents is an opportunity for more kingdom impact. But like I learned from my chairs video, More gifts is also more opportunity for pride. And let me just tell you, God isn't impressed with your giftings. (laughs) Why? Because he gave them to you. Before you were even born, when you were being knitted in your mother's womb, he deposited those into you. He knew you were going to have those giftings before you were even born. So he's not impressed. But here's the news. It's not the amount of gifts that matters. And if this is you, write this down. It's the amount of faithfulness. So more talents requires more humility, like my lesson in the chairs. So if you were one that just got pointed out, 
punch the person who pointed you out and say, you're next. <laughs> Let me talk now to those who have maybe two talents, maybe one, maybe none. If you say you have no talents, I know that you are wrong. And here's why. First Peter 4.10 says this. You can read it on the screen. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. I like the NLT. It says it like this. God has given each of you a gift. So if you say you have no talent, stop your pity party. It's not true. <laughs> we each have at least one gift. But if more talents requires more humility, then less talents requires more dependence. 2 Corinthians 12 puts it like this. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. For when you are weak, then I am strong. You see what happens when we only have one or two or a few talents? We tend to hold on to them super tightly like this, right? Because we don't want to lose that one thing that God's given us in our life. That one thing that we're good at. That one thing that makes us money. That one thing that people know us for. We don't want it to slip through our hands, so we hold on to it so tightly. You know who else had the opportunity to do this? Abraham. If you know the story of Abraham, you'd know that he had an amazing promise from God on his life. And that was this. You'll be the father of many nations. God said, your children are going to be so numerous, they'll be like the stars in the sky. And yet there was a problem. And that was that Abraham and his wife were barren. <laughs> they couldn't have kids. And so they prayed to God. And when Abraham was 100 years old, God gave him a son. And then contrary to how you think this story might go, God asks something just ludicrous and ridiculous of Abraham. He says, take your son Isaac up onto the mountain and sacrifice him to me. Do you think that God actually wanted him to kill his son? No, this was a test. You see, he's asking Abraham, are you willing to give back to me the one thing that I've gave to you? The thing that you've been praying for for so long and wanting, will you let go of the death grip and give it back to me? Because you see, when we have one gift on our life, we tend to hold it so tightly that we forget the one who gave it to us in the first place. But let me tell you, just like Abraham would, God is always faithful. So less talents requires more dependence. All right, everyone, give me a number two here. There we go. Hold them up. That's right. The master is the giver of the gifts. Number two, the master will return. I think if you look around at the world around us right now, 2020 in the whirlwind of a year it's been already, you might go, yeah, the master's coming soon. And let me tell you, you might be right. But here's what the Bible says. If you turn back just one page to Matthew 24, 36, it says this. But of that day or hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So here's the truth. The master will return. We just don't know when. But if you want, I can give you a little bit of insight from the parable reading. If you look at verse 19, when does the master return? It says this, after a long time. <laughs> Amazing, right? So helpful. Thank you. I'm really glad that like when I put in an address into my phone, that my GPS doesn't say that. Like what's my ETA? A long time. Yeah, great. <laughs> Now, in this parable, the, they didn't have iPhones back then or whatever you use. But if they did, I imagine it would have gone something like this. The servant calls the master. Hey, uh, how's, how's your journey going? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, it's been long, lots of walking. My sandals are getting worn out, but it's good. How are you doing with the five bags of gold I gave you? Great. Uh, I went to an auction. I bought some camels. You know, I, they needed a little work. I fixed them up, flipped them, made some money. That's great. How about the one, servant with the two bags of gold? Well, he just bought 
a lot of sandals, you know, some Nike, Adidas. He sold those and made some money on those. That's amazing. What about the servant with the one bag of gold? Yeah, you see about him. I could be wrong, but it looked like he had a shovel and he was digging a hole and it looked like he was burying your money in the... What did you just say? That's, I'm coming home right now. Okay, uh, what's your ETA? Let me check. It says a long time, <laughs> right? I'm sure that's how that probably would have gone down. So the master's returning, but we don't know when. And I know that a lot of us in this room, you're like that servant with the one bag of gold and you've got talents, you've got giftings on your life that you've buried in the ground. Let me submit to you this. If you don't know when your master's coming back, now is a good time to get out your shovel and start stewarding those gifts well. Here's an encouragement for you, as well as a challenge. If the master's still out, there's still time. Let me say that again. If the master is still out, there is still time. That means you need to get to work. It's an encouragement. It's grace, a second chance, but it means it's time to get out your shovel. So everybody give me a number three. The master is the giver of the gifts. The master will return. And number three, the master expects a return. As we go on in the parable, we hear that he gives five and two and one bag. And then he asks for a reckoning. He asks, what have you done with it? One brings back five, another brings back two, and the one, as we have heard, he doesn't bring back any extra. I get what this is like. <laughs> you see, I was homeschooled, and some of you are like, that makes a lot of sense now, Chandler. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but I was the original homeschooler. Before all this COVID craziness where everyone's homeschooled and it's just the cool thing to do, right? I was the weird homeschool kid. You do what? Your mom teaches you what? That was the OG homeschooler. On top of that, I was the oldest of 11 siblings. And I always told my parents they should have stopped at one, but here we are. <laughs> hey, here's what that meant though. That meant that no matter how incredible of a teacher my mom was or how inc incredibly strong of a woman she was, she simply couldn't teach all the classes at the same time and all the educational levels and subjects. So sometimes I would find myself on my own doing my work through a program or whatever. I quickly learned this. If I was supposed to be doing my work, but instead I was playing video games or whatever, and my mom came back and she realized that I had been playing video games and had done nothing, there was a whole list of punishments that Allendale High School teachers would quickly get fired for if they tried to institute on their students. <laughs> Why? Because while she was gone, there was an expectation that I would be doing work. There was an expectation that I would produce a result. So if that's the case, why did the servant with the one bag of gold go and bury his gold? It actually says it in verse 25. He says to the master this. He says, I was afraid. Three simple and incredibly deadly words for this servant. I was afraid. You guys, he missed the goodness of the master's presence out of fear for who he thought the master was. And like I said before, I think many of us in this room have buried talents. I don't want you to miss out on the presence of the master, the goodness of the reward because of fear. You see, many of us in this room, maybe we've got that talent buried, but we're too scared to dig it up because we've been discouraged. Oh, you're not good enough. Who are you to do that thing? Maybe it's something else like job security, or maybe it's your age. For some reason, you've buried that talent in the ground. I'm telling you now because I don't want you to miss the blessing of the master. Get out your shovel. 
I think there's someone in this room or online with a ministry calling on their life, and yet you've been discouraged. Maybe it's because with this job that you're in right now, there's security and benefits and pay, and with ministry, there's not. Let me tell you, get out your shovel and dig that up. For someone in here, maybe you've got finances, but you don't tithe. Why? Because that would make it hard to pay the payment on the boat, or it would make it hard to make the mortgage. Let me tell you. God will always do more with your 90% than you could ever do with your 100%. So get out your shovel. Someone in here, I think you have a dream on your life. You have giftings and it's been buried for so long, it's rotting. (laughs) Why? Because you're old. At least you think. I wonder what Abraham would say to you about that. I bet he would tell you this, get out your shovel. Here's the thing, you guys. Dead things are for burying, not the giftings God has placed on our life. Can I get an amen for that? So we're gonna transition here and we're gonna go from steward into the next step of sharing. And to do that, we're just gonna flip a few pages in our Bible to Matthew 28. I love this. We're all in Matthew here. And we're gonna read what's called the Great Commission. It said this because this is some of Jesus' last words on the earth before he leaves his disciples. So that means it's important, right? This is what he says to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's what I get from that. It doesn't sound like he was saying, if you want, go and do this. It sounds like a commandment. Some preachers say this, it's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission, right? It's important. What I get from that is this. We are entrusted with the gospel and there's an expectation we will share it. I'll put it like this. Here's a letter. Let's just say I wrote this letter and then I went to the post office to deliver it. I put it in the hands of the mailman, right? He gets this letter. Now, he hasn't written the message. No, he hasn't even addressed it. He doesn't know who it's going to. He hasn't stamped it. He's simply been given a message and I've entrusted him to pass it on to its intended recipient. Would he be a good postman if he just stored it inside his post office and it got dusty and never got to the person? No, he wouldn't be doing his job, would he? It's the same thing for us. We've been given a message. We didn't write it. And here's the thing, it's for someone else. It's not to sit dormant inside of you. There's an expectation that we will share it. Do you know who's really, really good at this? Is Jehovah's Witnesses. (laughs) So much so that they commit to an amount of hours that they're gonna witness or evangelize every single month. And you guys, some of them commit to more hours a month than you work your job. They're really good at this. Here's, I read an interesting statistic and it was from Google, so it must be true. (laughs) But it said this, it takes an average of 740 houses for a Jehovah's Witness to make one convert. Praise God, they're not very good at their jobs, (laughs) but they are dedicated. I remember one time when I was in Bible college, I was going to and from work. And at that time I didn't have a car, I was riding a bus. I was also in Bible college and working two jobs. My life was full. So I valued that 40 minutes there and 40 minutes back on the bus. I would read my Bible then and spend time with God, put in headphones and worship. One time I had clocked off of my shift. I got in the bus and I opened up my Bible and I was just reading it in a seat by myself. We stopped at a stop and two Jehovah's Witness girls get on the bus and sit behind me. 
Much to my amusement, inner amusement, they ask me, what are you reading? And I'm thinking, you're supposed to be telling me about this. It's the Bible, like, duh. Anyways, I go on to share with them about the Bible and about the gospel. And I just remember there being a bit of shock or like confusion, like, why, why are you doing this? You're not a Jehovah's Witness. You haven't signed a paper saying that you have to fulfill this quota of hours. I did it because this is a message that's been entrusted to me. Speaking of Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they don't celebrate holidays. They don't celebrate Halloween. Do you know why? They don't appreciate random people knocking on their door. <laughs> a few of you got it. It's okay to laugh in church. Come on, church is supposed to be fun. Our role until the master returns is this, to share the gospel. We've been entrusted with it. Our job is to share it. So why don't we? I think very similar to the servant with the one bag of gold who buried it. I think a lot of us, it's out of fear. We don't wanna be labeled that weird Christian. We don't wanna share it and lose Instagram or TikTok followers. And people don't wanna hear that stuff anyways, right? <laughs> I think you're totally wrong. People are way more receptive to the gospel than you might think. In fact, if we were to do a show of hands, most of the people sitting in this church and in churches across the world are there, why? Because someone invited them. Most of the people who have given their lives to Christ have done so, why? Because someone shared the gospel with them. People are very receptive to this. The trick is that you've got to put the letter in the mailbox and not shove it down their throats, right? <laughs> Some of you, I think maybe you're just like, man, I just don't even know where I would start or who I would start, who I would even tell. Here's an encouragement. You don't have to be on a stage to share the gospel. In fact, most of you aren't supposed to be. God has placed you in a specific role, in a specific occupation, in a specific corner to share the gospel with those people, to be his missionary and his vessel to those people. So go ahead and do that. In fact, I used to have a guy that I looked up to a lot and still do. He would pray this prayer every morning. He would say this, dear Lord, lead me across the path of the person closest to you today. That's beautiful. And some of you need to start praying that prayer as well and sharing the gospel in your daily life. Some of you would simply say this, I don't think God can use my story. Let me encourage you, friend, he can. He's placed a beautiful narrative throughout the highs and the lows of your life, specifically for other people. He pairs his gospel, his story with your story. That's the key, it's an honor to be used by God. As I wrap up here, I just wanna pray for two groups of people. And if you'd all stand, that would be incredible. The first being this, those who, when I'm preaching about the next steps of stewarding and sharing and how some of us have buried the gospel and some of us have the, or buried our gifts and some of us have the gospel just welled up inside of us and we're too scared to share it. I want us all to close our eyes. And if that's you with no one looking, I would love it if you would raise your hand. So close your eyes right now. And if when I say that, that resonates with you, you know that you've got giftings that are festering under please raise your hand so I can pray for you. Or you know, likewise, that the gospel's welling up inside of you. Why don't you raise your hand so that I can pray for you? Yeah, awesome. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for these people, for their bravery, their honesty. Holy Spirit, I thank you for moving in their hearts and in our midst. God, would you give them a Holy Spirit courage, a God-filled bravery inside of them to dig up those giftings that maybe they've been too scared or discouraged to use. God, would they do that for your glory? And the gospel, Lord, would you help it to pour out of us like living water, like the name of our church, God, so that your gospel can continue to go out. Don't let 
fear hold us back, Lord Jesus. Give us courage and we thank you for the opportunity to do work and partner with an amazing God like you. In Jesus' name, amen. The second group of people that I wanna pray for is this. You know, we're in a series called Next Steps, just wrapping it up. But some of you are like, I don't know if I can take a next step because I don't think I've ever even taken a first step, right? Some of you, maybe you're like, I don't even know this Jesus that you're talking about. Or maybe you do, but the thing is, you've been so far away from him. You've done things in your life that have disconnected you from him. And you're like, yeah, back then. I wanna pray a prayer for you, friends. So why don't we close our eyes again? And if your next step is either meeting Jesus for the first time right now or reconnecting your life with Jesus for the first time in a long time, I would love it if you would raise your hand with no one looking around so I can know who I'm praying for in this place. Yeah, that's amazing. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray a prayer and so that no one's just praying it alone. I want us all to pray together because one, we are one big family. There's nothing about one single prayer that'll save your life, friend. No. What this is, is it's a declaration that we're gonna walk with Jesus. In Romans 10, it says this, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's what we're gonna do right now in this moment. So I would love it if we can say this prayer. And if you're praying this for the first time or for the first time in a long time, praise God for that. Why don't you pray after me? Everybody say, dear Jesus, I confess that you are Lord. I have sinned. And I thank you that you died on the cross and rose again to set me free of the power of sin. Jesus, you are my Lord. From this day forward, you are alive in me. I am a believer. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. And hey, let's congratulate those people. Thanks, guys.